Mark Goff, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're having a look at the problems that beset Siemens and then how you went about solving those problems to the extent that your competitors now seem to rely on your solutions to compliance globally. Let's begin at the beginning. How did the serious problems arise? The... uh U.S. authorities and the German prosecutors um, had information about a series of um, bribery uh, activities around the world engaged in by our staff. And the first, really, the company knew was when we were raided in the end of 2006 by the Munich prosecutor that led to the unravelling of the allegations. And were you surprised by those allegations and the extent to which the corruption had almost become embedded in the organisation. I mean, was it a wake-up call to all the employees? I think it was a wake-up call to everyone. I think no one understood the extent, and I think the actions as a result of the, the knowledge of the allegations that led to the creation of a significant compliance organisation to deal with the problem and the engagement of Devervoice and Plimpton to conduct the independent investigation into those allegations at great expense to the company was a message to everyone that the company took it seriously and wanted to address the problem. And and did it affect the the global brand of Siemens? You you talked later about how, you know, uh, you represent, you know, you're in all the the world, the developing world too. In some countries you've been there 120 years. Did that reputation suffer globally? Absolutely. Um, Siemens is very proud of its technology and its uh, history and the allegations relating to the corruption scandal of course harmed that image and I mentioned the Siemensiana uh, concept inside the company those guys who are career Siemens staff members maybe fourth generation really felt the impact of what is um, something they can't get their hands on but they know the company's in trouble and they were maybe not so proud to say, I work for Siemens anymore. So how did you go about solving those serious problems? And and you talked in your presentation of the business partner compliance tools process. You've now very much got a method and a process that that actually can work in any country anywhere in the world now. But but did that take some time to arrive at? A lot of time, a lot of hard work, but I think in terms of creating a best-in-class compliance program, which I think we've been identified by a range of external agencies to be uh, at that high level, uh, and our competitors are now interested in taking the tool, this is a, a change management process that I think was done very quickly but very effectively, and again was part of that great message of tone from the top of change and change for the better to get our reputation back. And and you talked about the process of data collection, risk assessment, diligence, um, questions, uh, approval, phases. Can you take us through some of those? I know that compliance was a big one, wasn't it, in in terms of, you know, just finding anyone who who had expertise in this diligence process. Yeah, the, the whole process of reviewing and revising the compliance program in the company Uh, As I said, we went from 50 people to 600 people globally. And the structure uh, in headquarters was maybe 60 to 80 people. 
that were responsible for putting together a new global process. And that process is what I call shining the light on the, on the dark corners. There are processes, policies and tools designed to help identify risk areas in the company's business. And that process is a very comprehensive one, but it's, a lot of it's driven by tools. It's still got the human element. There still has to be people managing it. And compliance and business um, have an interesting mix of responsibility. Well, you came up with that nice phrase, didn't you? Business owns the responsibility, but compliance is the process. So you, so you don't take the responsibility away from the individual. No. Business is business. We don't want to have business fearful of conducting business because of a compliance problem. They don't, we don't want them to think that we're sitting there looking over their shoulder at every deal that's made. But, as the CEO, Mr Lusher, says, clean business only. So, if... The policies are in place, people follow the rules, and they engage in normal business. Compliance is not involved. It's a business responsibility to manage risk. Compliance will come in when it's required, but they shouldn't be at the front and be part of the business decision-making. Now, you also talked about the personal responsibilities of the employee at any level so that your compliance officers, whichever country there are, in, they actually report locally, but they also report to a global national structure so that if they want to say something's wrong um, locally, they can report that. Is that important for all employees to have that freedom to think they can press the alarm bells if need be? Absolutely. I think uh, if you want a transparent process, uh, organisation, more to the point, you've got to have the ability for staff to feel free to report wrongdoing and not think that their career will be harmed as a result. So, first of all, we have the very effective uh, reporting of wrongdoing via our help desk and our ethics line uh, reporting tool. But our compliance officers, as you say, they have a dual responsibility. They report locally to the CEO and to the management and provide risk assessments and advice, but they're also connected to corporate headquarters and the chief compliance officer so that they have a sort of, not a protection, but a support mechanism in headquarters to be able to report wrongdoing. Now, that's the, if you like, the organisational structure, but you brought the, the argument down to the personal too, almost to the moral. You said that employees should ask themselves about actions if, say, there is a tipping process or a bribing process in a certain country, and the employee should ask, is it right, is it consistent, uh, is it legal and ethical, and who's accountable for it? And then you went on to say, would you tell your mother? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's much easier to get messages across with simple uh, analogies or, or explanations. And I think the, the slide I showed with the four questions, that's how you push right out to the, the greatest risk area at the coalface of our business that when anything comes in front of them that they have to think about, they have to question, they ask the series of four questions, and then at the end of that, if they're still not sure, my view is, think about it, if you, if you went ahead and did that act, would you be proud to tell your mother that you did exactly that? And in terms of the length of time, I was just going to reply to the fact that you know there's a lot you wouldn't be proud to, to tell your mother, but it's a good test. But in terms of the length of time, five to ten years, you said, to put the company right, to, to almost get 
all of these new processes of, of uh, compliance embedded in the company. Do, do you think that's a change management timing? Yeah, look, normal big change management projects take five to ten years. As I said, we changed the company around very quickly through a strong board, good policies and great support to the business. But I think we've gone through the crisis process, which was reacting to the US and German authorities and the allegations. We've built the system. It's in place. It works. We've been externally recognised. Now it's the sustaining of a clean business process that is the change management process. That's the harder one. And, and are you now, clearly, if you've got your competitors looking at your, your compliance process, your, and you're being very free with the information here at Cambridge Judge Business School today, but you must have come up with the right solution. So are you optimistic that, that you know, these problems won't arise again on the scale and magnitude to which they did? Absolutely. I, I think the systems now... You can't explain the behaviour of people all the time, but the systems are in place that we cannot have a recurrence of the old. The past is gone. Um, But as I said, you can't protect from everything, but the, the turnaround has been so significant and so quick that I think... And the external reviews we've had, both from our monitor imposed on us by the DOJ and by a range of external review entities like uh, Dow Jones, who have rated our compliance program as the best. Now, that says in a very short space of time we've been able to do something positive that has given us a chance to survive long term, not have the monitor and all this publicity and problem, and then in a few years we can just go back to old ways. That will never happen. The system is embedded. The culture is being changed. But I think the culture and the values argument requires more time still. And just finally, that finally question, you came up and talked at the end about the word integrity. It's about your personal integrity at the employee level, but also about the organisation's global integrity. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting discussion at the moment about... Um, sort of adding the integrity component into uh, an employee's responsibility, that we want uh, people of the highest standards of integrity and who believe in our values. And if you have people who believe in the values and they have high standards of integrity, there will be much less of a problem around misconduct. But to get people to buy into the, the values, which has already started, but fully buy in 400-odd thousand people is a very difficult job. But if we continue to promote the tone from the top being only people of integrity and clean business, that message surely has to sink in. Mark Goff, thank you very much indeed for talking about your new compliance process at Siemens from the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series. Thank you very much. Thank you.